Thanks, Pastor Raj. Good morning, church. Hey, uh, happy first Sunday back with no capacity limits or physical distancing. Super exciting, super exciting. Grateful to the Lord for that, of course. How are we doing with the whole chairs closer together thing? Doing all right? Well, hey, if you're not, uh, go out and have a coffee on us after the service. But great to be with you and excited to get into Philippians together this week and the two weeks following. As Pastor Roger mentioned, we're in chapter 2, starting in verse 19. We'll go to the end of the chapter here this morning. And, uh, you know, we don't like to admit it, but we're really good at being insincere. That was awkward. We're really good at being insincere, aren't we? We're really good at it. Now, you might think that that's harsh, but let me illustrate. Uh, Birthdays, perfect example. We're really good at not showing what we truly feel when we get a gift we don't like, aren't we? And you know who's not good at being insincere? Two-year-olds. You know, you, you know, you ever seen a toddler old enough to understand what their birthday is all about, but not quite old enough to understand gift-receiving decorum, get a gift they don't like? Hilarious if the kid's not yours, mortifying if they are, right? You know what I mean? And we are. We're really good at being insincere, so much so that we teach our kids to do it in the name of being polite, And so it's really no surprise that that kind of attitude creeps into our service of one another. We're all guilty of this. But what we fail to realize is that our insincere service of one another is robbing us of the joy that God wants to flood in our lives. To serve well from a sincere heart, as Paul explains in Ephesians chapter 5, or 6 verse 8, is knowing that, what, that good, whatever good anyone does, here it is, this he will receive back from the Lord. You see, because sincere, true, heartfelt service to one another brings joy from the Lord. And this morning, as we return to the book of Philippians, we'll see two examples of men who served the Lord with sincerity, and we'll see what God has called us to. We will see how we can do this so that we may have true joy, supernatural delight in our sincere service of one another. So let's get to God's word. Let's get to what the Lord has for us. Let's read it together. Follow along with me as I read. This is Philippians 2, starting in verse 19, God's words to us this morning. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. So that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself myself will come also. I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. 
for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. See, God calls us to serve sincerely. And before we continue, I thought it necessary to define what service is so that we're all on the same page. So what is serving? Well, simply put, it is working for or on behalf of someone or something else. It is working for or on the behalf of someone or something else. And God calls us to do that for others sincerely. So I must be, see this first, genuine. I must be genuine. I want you to think about this for a second. When you serve, when you work for or on the behalf of another, why are you doing it? I think any of us would know the good Christian answer, but I want you to really consider for a second, when you serve others, are you doing it because you genuinely want to, or are you doing it because what you can get back? Is your service to others genuine, or do you serve because of what you can get out of it? See, the Apostle Paul had great concern for this church that he was writing to, who in turn had great concern for him. And so he says, verse 19, that he hopes in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to them soon so that he may be cheered by the news of them. The hope that he has founded in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he could send Timothy to Philippi so that there would be mutual encouragement for them both. That Paul could be encouraged by the report that Timothy brings back of what God is doing in the church at Philippi, and so that the church at Philippi could be encouraged by Timothy's report of what was going on with Paul. You see, Paul's love for this church is evident. It's evident in the fact that he is willing to send his right hand man, his co-worker in the gospel, who has distinguished himself in service to the Lord. Look down at verse 20. This is what Paul says about Timothy. For I have no one like him. There's no one else that gets up to Timothy's level. You see, Paul and Timothy are like-minded in everything that they are doing. One commentator said that Paul and Timothy are like sold in their commitments, in the burdens that they share. It's not just that they had the same vision or the same passions, but it is that they were joined in the most foundational of life's pursuits. For Timothy and for Paul to live in everything was Christ. And in that, Timothy was the only one Paul could send who would be genuinely concerned for the welfare of the Philippians. Unlike some of these other unnamed individuals who all seek their own interests, how much would you like to have been in that group, right? Not nice. A little savage, Paul. Seek their own interests, not those of Christ. Timothy stands in direct contrast to them because he genuinely has the heart and the concerns of Christ for the Philippians. Of all the potential candidates that Paul could have even sent right away, it was better for the Philippians that he wait to send Timothy. Because he knows Timothy's heart and his genuine Christ-like gospel-centered care for, for the Philippians will be what serves them the best. See, Paul's not just heaping up empty phrases of commendation for Timothy. He's, 
He's not even seeking to try to convince the Philippians in some way that his sending of Timothy and not himself shouldn't be too disappointing because we see in verse 24 that he intends to come himself soon as well. But he is using Timothy as an example to what he has already called the Philippians to. Look up at chapter 2, verse 4, where we see Paul say, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Or put even more strongly, the Christian Standard Version says, everyone should look not to his own interests. Not even not only, but rather to the interests of others. You see, when we serve, we're not serving because of what we can get out of it. I'm not serving to be seen. I'm not serving even in order that I can be served. I serve in whatever capacity God has called me to because I am genuinely saved to a genuine faith through a genuine savior sent by a genuine God who calls me to genuinely love doing his will, which means genuinely loving and caring for the people he has called me to love and care about. I say to our small group leaders at Harvest Youth all the time, our young people, our students today have an unbelievable innate ability to discern when things are fake. It comes through all their time on social media and all of the other outlets. They have a keen awareness when something is not really genuine. Or if they don't know right away, they are tenacious to discern when something is not real. And so if we as leaders called to serve these students are to effectively minister to them, it has to be real. Listen, if you're not genuine in your service to others, motivated by what Christ has done for you, it would be better if you didn't even serve at all. Because there's no blessing to be found in service that is not genuine. Well, that's great, Jord, but how do I be genuine then? How am I supposed to be genuine in my service? Well, I've got three very simple things. First, be reliable. Okay, be reliable. Integrity is critical in genuine service, so let your yes be yes and your no be no. Both in what you commit to and in how you commit to others. See, Timothy was ready to go wherever Paul would send him, wherever the Lord would send him through Paul. And Paul knew exactly what he was getting when he sent Timothy because he knew his heart. He knew what he would commit to when he was there. And few things kill genuine service like not showing up or not being available or not being reliable, not being a place of confidentiality when somebody discloses something to you. We are called in our genuine service to be a reliable, dependable, safe place for other people. And we are called to let our commitments be trustworthy. Secondly, we're called to be honest. If we're going to genuine, we, if we're going to be genuine, and if we're going to be genuine in our service to other people, we've got to be honest. Trust is foundational in genuine godly relationships and nothing kills trust like lies. Like perpetuating falsehood. So we do not serve one another if we enable falsehood by withholding the truth. 
And on the, other, on the other side of that, we do not serve others if we constantly bludgeon them with the full truth all the time. So this must be tempered with, then, this final way to be genuine, be loving, which is the utmost call that we are to follow in all of our relationships. Jesus said it, John 13, 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have what? Love for one another. True God-honoring your wants and needs before my own kind of love is the most genuine thing that we can give to one another, for by it we proclaim the gospel and the love of God through Christ for us. And so we ought to have a Christ-like concern for others, no matter the situation to seek to genuinely serve them in whatever capacity that we are called to. Because to serve sincerely is also to be, see this secondly, faithful. Okay, faithful. God calls me to serve sincerely, so I must be faithful. And Timothy's faithfulness was well known, not just to Paul, but his faithfulness reputation preceded him. Check out verse 22. But you know, you Philippians, you know, you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. You see, the first record that we have of Timothy is in Acts chapter 16, where, where even in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 16, verse 3, we, we read that he, Timothy, was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. People knew the faithful integrity that Timothy had even before he uh, hooked up with Paul and they ended up doing the ministry together. Now, Acts chapter 16, interestingly enough, also details the beginning of the Philippian church, who Paul is writing to here with the first convert, Lydia. And then Paul and Silas, of course, are imprisoned in Acts chapter 16. And God gets them out of that. And God saves the Philippian jailer and his whole family through that. And while not explicitly mentioned, it's very, very realistic to say that Timothy would have been there for all of that. And as the church at Philippi is started, those believers would have seen Timothy, would have seen his faithfulness, even to his own potential detriment. We see the word that we have translated into served in this verse that, that we see Paul use, it falls short of showing the full faithfulness and commitment that Timothy had. That word served there is the Greek word douluo, which comes from the Greek word doulos, which some of you may be familiar with. That's the word for slave. That was the extent of Timothy's faithfulness to the call of Christ. He was willing to slave for the good news of Jesus, for his benevolent and perfect master, as Christ was, by the way, to the will of God. As we see, again, if you look up chapter 2, verse 7, we read that Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. That word servant, doulos, slave. See, Timothy's faithfulness was proven through his commitment, not to Paul, but ultimately to Jesus Christ. And it united Paul and Timothy together in loyalty and in love like a father and son. And the strength of their bond increased as they endured the fires of ministry together. Because faithfulness in service is ultimately an expression of our love for Jesus Christ as he exemplified this perfectly. Mark 10, 45. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. 
Thanks be to God that he did because he gave his life as a ransom for many, which many in this room claim. Our faithfulness to serve others is really an indication of the reality and the depth of our walk with Christ. You want to know how far along in the sanctification process you are? You want to know how Christ-like you are? Well, look at how well you serve. Ask those who you volunteer under, hey, how well do I serve? Ask your boss, ask your family, hey, how well do I serve? How faithful do I serve? And all of this is with the understanding that true faithfulness is proven in the fire of difficulty. It's easy to be faithful, it's easy to show up, it's easy to be reliable, it's easy to be genuine when things are easy. But many of us have felt the sting of abandonment or the hurt that comes when you realize a friend isn't genuine. For some of you, that may have even come in the loneliness of this past two years. Because the unfortunate reality is when the going gets tough, the insincere and the fake don't stick around. And Paul had experience with this, by the way. The final letter that he wrote was directed at Timothy, 2 Timothy. And in that, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he expresses the fact that he had been abandoned by so many. His death was impending. And in that letter, he writes to Timothy, this is chapter 4, verse 9, do your best to come to me soon. Because he knew Timothy's genuine and sincere service. He knew how faithful he was to the call of Christ. He knew that being with Timothy would bless and encourage him, strengthen his faith. Timothy's faithfulness blessed, encouraged, and strengthened Paul. And it's why here in our passage, verse 23, he waits to send Timothy to Philippi until after he finds out what happens with his imprisonment in Rome. This is the kind of faithfulness needed. And this is so countercultural to our society. Faithfulness is not a mark of Western society. Just go look at divorce rates. Just go look at the transiency in the job market. At the shallowness of friendships. And unfortunately, that sneaks its way into the church. But as we serve in whatever roles or whatever relationships God would have us in, the sincerity of our service is proven by our faithfulness to whatever Christ calls us to, certainly when it's easy, but absolutely when it's hard. In our marriages, in our parenting, in our friendships, in our jobs, in our volunteering, all of it. Faithfulness means unwavering commitment to the plans, purposes, and people of God. So that means if we're going to be faithful as we serve sincerely, that we must be third, resolved. Must be resolved. In verse 25, Paul transitions from the example of Timothy uh, to Epaphroditus, who we're introduced to. Check it out, verse 25 again. I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. Now, Epaphroditus was a member of the Philippian church. He was sent by them to deliver financial and uh, financial help and to care for Paul, to minister to him while he was imprisoned in Rome. 
And Paul commends the work that Epaphroditus filled, uh, filled out for the Philippians in five ways. He fulfilled the role of Paul's brother, okay, indicating the love and affection that he has for this fellow believer. Paul calls him a fellow worker, a co-laborer in the advancement of the gospel. Paul calls him a fellow soldier, okay, a rare distinctive for Paul to make but is important for us to see because it gets to the heart of the fact that Epaphroditus, as Frank Thielman wrote, has suffered the rigors of service to the gospel along with Paul. Fourth, Epaphroditus was your, the Philippians' messenger. He carried the messages of love and encouragement from the Philippians to Paul. And finally, their minister to Paul, Paul's need, referring to the fact that he acted on behalf of the Philippians to care well for him. But Paul deems it necessary to send Epaphroditus back because that is the longing of his heart. Verse 26, for he's been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. See, out of care for the Philippians and out of, out of care for Epaphroditus, this man that Paul loved, he put their needs above himself. Certainly, I bet it would have been awesome for Paul to have Epaphroditus stay there and continue to minister and to continue to care for him as Epaphroditus was called to and sent by his church to do. But again, another example for us of this kind of genuine, sincere service, Paul says, no, no, I'm going to send him back. He fulfills Epaphroditus' longing, which was in him because the church found out about a sickness that he had when he traveled. And we're not aware exactly what this sickness was, but we know that as, as Epaphroditus traveled from Philippi to Rome, he fell ill to the point of being near to death. He had one foot in the grave, we might say. But he fulfilled his mission despite all that, resolved to do what it was that he was called to do. And it's this sort of resolve that is required in our service to God. This is what it looks like to take up our cross, Matthew 16. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it, Jesus says, forfeiting the world in order to gain our soul. A willingness to put it all on the line for the sake of the kingdom of God. And this is what Epaphroditus did. He was all in. All in to serve Paul, all in to serve the church, all in to serve the Lord resolved to do the work of Christ, and it almost cost him his life. And yet he completed the task. And we could have given this guy a pass for making it to Paul and being like, you know what, hold on, I just got to take a minute. I almost died. So Paul, can you minister to me for a little bit here? No, no, he's, he's almost near to death and he is still resolved to serve this apostle whom he cared so much about, who the church cared for so much. As he reached his goal, he was glorifying God by serving Paul in the ministry that he was doing, uniting their hearts together. You know, a few weeks ago, we put out a survey um, surrounding this weekend, actually. It was meant to gauge where you were at as you were coming back to church and as the capacity restrictions and social dis distancing restrictions were lifted. And thank you so much to those who responded, by the way. It's really helpful. But in, in that survey, we asked you specifically about serving. And if you're serving, if you intend to come back to serve, and it is with great gratitude that I, that I say that the results of that are 51% of the people who responded are already serving. That's awesome. Praise the Lord for that. 11 new people who responded 
said that they hadn't been serving previously, but are willing to step up and to serve wherever the need is. That's awesome. That emulates the hearts of Christ, the heart of Christ. Because as it did for Jesus, listen, serving should and will cost us something. So are you willing to pay it? Are you willing to make a meal for a family in need, which is becoming even more of a service with inflation and everything? Are you willing to to take care of someone's kids? Are you willing to help someone in the church move like the ultimate expression of service, okay? Shout out to the one small group that did that for one of their small group members last week. That's awesome. Are you resolved to carry the burdens of others in your relationship with them? To continue to pour out faithfully in love, genuinely and sincerely serving that person even when you don't get it back? Or how about this one? Are you willing to not allow your COVID perspective or comfortability dictate how you respond to people if theirs is different than yours? Are you willing to be here on two service, for two services on a Sunday? To worship one, to be engaged in worship with the body of Christ, to sit under the teaching of God's word, and then in the other service, go and serve in whatever capacity that you're called to. We used to say that all the time. I don't really know why we've gotten away from it. To get up early, to be here for worship or production. To serve down in Harvest Kids. Or to rush directly from work, scarfing down food as you run in the door, to be here on a Tuesday night to serve at Harvest Youth or Wednesday evening at Awana. To give up your time, to give up your home, to lead or host a small group. Listen, I know that there are times when we need to take a break from working for Christ in the church. Listen, I get that. But those times should be short. Sincere service requires us to be resolved in working for Christ wherever he has us, through whatever circumstances come our way. And as we do it, to have a heart attitude of humility which is our final point. I'm called by God to serve sincerely, so I must be humble. And God was merciful to both Paul and Epaphroditus in sparing him from death and the sorrow upon sorrow that would have come for that for Paul who cared for him so deeply. In light of his recovery and the joy that it brought Paul to be spared from all of that, Paul longs to share that same joy in God's delivering of Epaphroditus with others. Verse 28, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. You see Paul's loving care for them there? So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. And on that last, that last phrase there, it's not that the Philippians were slacking as they served Paul. It was that they could not be there in person. And that was why Paul commended the service that Epaphroditus gave to him, to be the emissary sent on behalf of the church to care for Paul. And what, and what Paul's advocating for here is, is that the Philippians would esteem the work of Epaphroditus. Someone so valued that 
Had he passed, it would have been sorrow upon sorrow for Paul because of his genuine, faithful, resolved service to the Lord in the face of great difficulty. Because of his distinguished service on their behalf and the blessing that it was to Paul. And see, this commendation, this command that Paul makes to the Philippians to esteem and honor him is the mark of true humility. Author and pastor Adam Ramsey, who's actually also functions as the network director for Acts 29, what will be Asia Pacific, Australia, New Zealand, Japan. He wrote a book called Truth on Fire. And in it, he had one of the, the best definitions of humility. I love this so much. He wrote, humility is a life lived rightly before God as we increasingly learn to see the reality that the center of our lives is not ourselves, but God. You see, we often fail in growing in humility because we're pursuing it. Because pursuing humility is antithetical to getting humility. Entering into a room and pursuing to be the most humble person there isn't being humble, just puffing up your own pride. In your conversation with someone else, thinking to yourself, man, they're talking about themselves way more than I am. I'm way humble than them. That's not humility, that's pride. You want more humility? Get more Jesus. You want more humility? Center your life completely on Jesus and watch how God brings humility through the back door of your heart. When you come into a room, when you enter into a conversation with someone, be quick to esteem, encourage, and elevate them. That's what Paul is advocating for. In every conversation, we need to be thinking of ourselves less and growing in humility by elevating the good and godly conduct of other people when we see it. Because we're called 1 Peter 5, verse 5, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. And here's the, the kicker. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So listen, if you're serving to be seen or to be commended, your service is in vain. And God opposes that. You're not serving others. You're not serving God. You're serving yourself. But to esteem, to encourage the good and godly works of others, to build one another up, to foster unity through our mutual love and encouragement of one another, to continue to sincerely serve the Lord and to sincerely serve one another. Listen, that's a commendation. That's a quality that Christ himself exhibited. So be free with your encouragement of one another. Be free with your esteeming and building up of those around you that you are called to serve when you see them pursuing Christ-likeness. So often we, we withhold the good and encouraging things that we want to say to people because we think we're going to puff up their ego. Listen, leave that between them and, them and God. Be free with your encouragement of one another. But to those who serve well with distinction, with sincerity, especially those who do so with great risk to themselves, who endure great hardship, honor and encourage them from a place of humility that the Lord may use you to bless them, to encourage them, to foster greater sincere service in them 
and yourself and others and to fill them with joy and yourself in that by extension. And it is to these things that we are called as followers of Christ. And in them, there is great joy for us to be had. So if you're here this morning and listen, and you're not serving in the church, I really encourage you to think about it and pray about it. We have a link in the sermon notes section at hbc.info to our Work for Christ page. There are needs here. Pray about where the Lord would have you serve and get after it. If you're here and you realize the Lord's convicted you that your serving has been in vain, I pray that these things you would hold on to and seek to live with that you may serve others sincerely. And if you're here and you're serving, you're pursuing these things, may this continue to encourage you in what you're doing. We are called, Matthew 5.16, to let our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and not point at us, but that they would give glory to our Father in heaven. We often think about serving only within organizations, whether it's the church, whether it's other organizations you can volunteer at, but listen, this is something that's just as, if not more important, to be doing interpersonally in our families, in our marriages, in our workplace relationships. How is the Lord calling you to serve sincerely? Because as we do so, may the Spirit empower and the Lord increase our joy at doing His will all the more. Amen? Let me pray for us. Almighty God, we are humble before you and thankful that you are long-suffering and patient with us. This idea of, of sincere, selfless, sacrificial service is so contrary to our sinful nature. Forgive us, Lord, I pray. God, by your spirit alive and at work in us, would you help us to see the need for us to serve the way that Christ did, for us to exemplify his life and his sacrificial service on the cross and in the empty tomb and the way that we serve for others and the way that we serve for the good of this church, the way that we serve for the good of our families, for our friendships. So God, grow in us a desire to be genuine, an ability to do so, that we may be reliable, honest, and loving. God, grow in us our faithfulness to what you have called us to, to be pursuing the good of others. God, help us be people who are resolved to do this in spite of whatever it is that you may allow in our paths. And God, would you keep us humble as we recognize that this can only be done through the work that you're doing in us. So God, we glorify you in this place and pray that you would cause this to be the reality in our church and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.